When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort. So you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive & June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Surviving Sister Wives contains adult content that may not be suitable for Latter-day Saints or sinners. Listener discretion is advised. Hello and welcome to another episode of Surviving Sister Wives, the podcast where a monogamous couple drink heavily while recapping Sister Wives on TLC. I'm Corey. And I'm Carly. And this is Season 17, Episode 2, Is There a Favorite Wife? To answer your question, yes, that would be the short answer. There is a favorite wife. We'll get into some more details, explanations, and reasonings on why that is. I'm glad that the show finally came around to this. It's only been, what, since season two that the entire fandom has come to this conclusion? I think they were in denial. Maybe even the production team was in denial for a good little while there. But now they're finally coming around to it. They're seeing our side of this proposal here that seems like there's a bit of favoritism permeating throughout the family here. This is a good episode. There was so much drama. There were so many lies. There were so many truth bombs. So much drama to wade through. There's a lot going on. But before we get into that, the TLC description for this one is, while Janelle's household fights through COVID-19, Isabel has exciting news about her future. Then, Christine reveals her plans to move to Salt Lake City with Truly as Cody struggles to let go. There was so much more that happened in this episode. I have to say, I'm loving that that is the case. They are jam-packing so much into these first two episodes of this season so far. There's a lot going on. We can't even contain it. We're bursting at the seams on the episode descriptions. So we're going to have to provide a little bit more context, which is another reason why we have the Carly episode rewrite description. Cody bunkers down in his closet at the Shira Chateau as his children gang up on him. 
Everyone points the finger at Robin. Christine endures Cody a little longer while she plans her new life. Gotta get out. You gotta have an exit strategy. That's a fact. A little bit of housekeeping before we get into this episode. Couple of announcements. The first, you may have noticed that last week, the episode was released on Sunday instead of Wednesday. Hopefully that was a nice surprise for most of you. Some people were a little disappointed that their Wednesday plans were a little bit mixed up now. They had to find something else to listen to on Wednesdays. But hey, that's kind of the trade-off to getting the episode a little bit earlier. We're trying to do that more this season, so we'll see how it goes. Hang in there with us. We're just so excited to keep talking about this the minute that these episodes come out that, no, no, we may have to move the episode releases up to Sunday or Monday. It's going to be Sunday nights or Monday mornings, most likely, for the foreseeable future while we're in season. Once we get back to the rewatches, maybe we'll flip back to Wednesdays. We'll keep you posted as we get closer to the end of this season. Another reminder, if you can't get enough of listening to Sister Wives content, maybe you want to hear us recap something else other than this show. Join us over at the virtual cul-de-sac, patreon.com slash surviving pod, where we have seasons one through seven of Sister Wives for you to listen to. And also including what, like 50 something episodes of Let's Talk About It, our bonus podcast. Yeah, a couple extra tidbits in there as well, too. There's a couple Corey Strikes Backs as well. Uh, we'll be working on some more of those in the coming months as well. For anyone who doesn't know, that's our podcast Patreon episode where Corey makes me suffer through something that he likes to watch because I have made him sit through so much reality television trash. I still have the tally of how many minutes I've spent watching Sister Rives here. Just, <laughs> just run time, not even taking notes and recording and editing anything else that went into the pod. That's petty. So we're still, well, I'm a petty bitch. We've established that. Uh, And I just said we had seasons one through seven of Sister Wives recapped on Patreon. Season eight, which is currently on the public feed, meaning you can listen to it right now. That is going to be moving over to Patreon on October 1st. So binge your hearts out. Otherwise, after October 1st, you'll find it over on Patreon. Huge thanks to all of our patrons out there, except for the Basement Wife tier, as always. And as always, remember, you can also find us on TikTok and on Twitter. On TikTok, we are Surviving Sister Wives Pod. And on Twitter, we are Surviving Underscore Pod. And the last thing, I guess we have to give a spoiler here. If you don't want to hear it, I guess jump ahead 30 seconds. It's not really that interesting, in my opinion. I know you're really riveted right now (laughs) with that introduction. But Maddie and Caleb have announced the sex of their baby. If you didn't know, they're pregnant. Oh, so double spoiler. I double guess. double if, spoiler if you're really not in the you're know. you're way behind. But they're having another girl, so Mazel Maddie. Mazel Maddie. <laughs> you ready to jump in? Yeah, I think to get us up to speed with where we left off last week, right? Because there was a lot that happened last week as well, too. Cody has been moved out of Christine's house. He's in the garage. There's a lot of boxes. He's still sifting through those. Janelle's whole house got COVID, so they're down and out. They weren't in last episode. Christine and Cody were trying to talk things out a little bit. Cody was under the assumption that they were there to patch things up, maybe go to therapy, maybe go to couples counseling, but he actually was just served notice that she is leaving the family. This is a divorce notification. This is not a reconciliation chat. And Robin finally understands that all this conversation is very serious. Is that about where we left off? You left out Mary. Oh, well, there's something about Mary. Something's going on. (laughs) Mary's MIA. We know why in the real timeline, and it's for sadder reasons than 
we'd expect as well, too. But we'll get to that this episode. We're picking back up at the start of episode two with Janelle, who says that they followed all of the CDC guidelines, but still Gabe and Garrison work outside of the house. So there's a certain level of exposure that they have every day. And Garrison ended up getting COVID. So Garrison got it. He brought it home, ends up giving it to Gabe, Savannah, and Janelle, and maybe a couple of their girlfriends as well, too. So a lot of people end up getting it. And she was pretty sick for four to five days. And of course, Cody nursed her back to health. I think that was part of the deleted scenes, maybe. We didn't see any footage of that. But we know that it happened because he had assured Gabe and Garrison last season, if COVID were to befall their house, he would be there to take care of them. Right. No, 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 no. Of course, Cody stayed apparently in the closet at Robin's house. We'll get into that. But this has left the family with a lot of questions. Everyone's recovered, which is good. But now Cody and Robin want to know if they have immunity after this. What immunity have we built? What does this mean for immunity as a family? Because, yes, Janelle's household got it. But does that mean Cody and Robin and their children are extra safe now (laughs) by proxy? Can everyone else around us just get COVID? And we, too, receive immunity for 90 days. That's how I've done it. But (laughs) that's not how this necessarily works. Robin's still getting confused. She's still learning. She's still calling her children's doctor, the same one who was telling her to put her mail in the fridge. (laughs) So we'll check in. We'll see. We'll circle back on that because, of course, we're at Robin's house. We have to set the scene here because Cody has to give us a whole explanation that the kids are always home at Robin's house, just like he's always at Robin's house. Since they can't be at school, that's the reasoning that he gives for why the children are around. So Cody's only escape at Robin's house is to go into the closet or in the garage. Those are like his two hideaways at Robin's house to get anything done and spend time alone. And we needed that setup because then they hit us with the self-filmed footage where Cody is, I don't, how is he even in the closet? Is he sitting on the floor? Is he sitting on a, a small stool? It has to be a chair set up. You just see all of his his lavender and purple and plaid shirts hanging in the background behind his head. Honestly, if you got to record somewhere, closet's the best place. You have a bunch of sound dampening materials in there that are hanging around. There's no flat surfaces. You get a really good audio tone. It'll give you the best audio. I want to know what the producers thought when they got sent this footage. They thought, we're going to need to have Cody explain <laughs> what he's doing because... It looks like he's broadcasting live from, you know, when you'd go to the the mall with your mom when you were a kid and you'd go hide in the clothing racks. It's like he was <laughs> self-filming in the middle of a clothing rack at Macy's. He got the idea from Ari. You know that she hides in clothing racks. He's had to fish her out once <laughs> or twice, probably. Retract the leash and get her back to home base here. That's the best part about this self-shot footage, though, is that they don't know what was shot until at some point somebody cues up this video and presses play. Yeah, Cody texts it to them at three o'clock in the morning or whatever is going on. But if it's between the closet and the garage, we know Cody's recently had a traumatic experience with a garage at Christine's garage. So he's definitely in the closet for this self-shot footage. (laughs) I like that theory a lot better than, you know, it's cold outside. No, it's not that it's cold. He's had enough problems in garages. He's going to stay in the closet for a little while. Maybe he was inspired by Lydia Plath. 
He's got a prayer closet going on. Oh, yes. Some deep meditation going on. Do we think that he has a sign on the store that says do not disturb spelt incorrectly? With an ERB at the end? Mm-hmm. He kisses better than he prays? <laughs> That's what's going on because everyone in Robin's house is always home. Apparently. That's the story that we're getting here. Everybody is always home all the time. Apparently, after Cody and Christine talked last episode, she left. She went to Utah to spend some time there, and he is trying to figure out how he's going to spin what he learned in that conversation to avoid taking any accountability for her leaving. How can I make this entirely her fault? We had a nice long talk about what's going on in our lives, not about our relationship, not about divorce. That's not what we talked about. We were just talking about things that are going on in our lives. Excuse number one comes up here. Christine's never home. That's why I'm never there. You're never there for me to come visit. I thought this was an interesting take on the whole situation because, of course, while he's recounting all of this, he's going through all the drama in his head. He's struggling to come to terms with all of this. He's also coming up with different ways to dodge accountability. That's basically the only benefit from his reflecting that's going on. And apparently he didn't have time to like sync his story up with Robin like they normally do because now we cut to her. She didn't get the memo. Her excuse is that Cody is a very busy man. He's a lot of different places. He's spread very thin. And the complaints about how he splits his time, they're not new. They go all the way back to the cul-de-sac. Robin has to defend Cody's jet-setting lifestyle because he's always going, always on the go. This is where the producers troll him with a ton of footage of Cody running from house to house in the cul-de-sac. Well, that's when we get Mary's commentary that Cody's always been high energy and a little scattered. And so that was the footage. They were like, oh, we got a lot of this. They have him leaping over shrubs. He's trying to to save some time instead of going up the driveway. He's just cutting across the front of the yard. Jumping over rocks, off of rocks, (laughs) in between rocks. Some Ninja Warrior shit going on. (laughs) (laughs) There was like, what, 45 solid seconds of just different shots of Cody doing that. I was surprised at how much footage they had to fill that amount of time of Mary's entire commentary. The weird thing about it, though, is, yes, it's footage of Cody running from house to house, but he's not doing anything. What is he doing? Why is he going from place to place? Because he keeps forgetting what he's doing, and then he's going to get something else from another place, then gets distracted, gets pulled into something else. At least he was actually going from house to house in that footage. That's what he does not do now. That's the problem. That's the issue. That's the complaint that is being raised. Now, why is that happening, though? Robin thinks it's because the other wives, it's their fault, they don't track, and she used the word track, where Cody is. He's not at her house is what she's trying to say. That's the subtext here. If they were paying attention to where he was going all day, they would know that he's not at her house. He's busy taking business calls from his convertible. Just wasting gas. Just wearing that visor, texting and driving. That's what he's doing all day, according to Robin. That's what he's doing. And Janelle knows Cody's on the go. She knows Cody is exactly as Mary described him, a little scattered. But she also knows that Cody ends up at Robin's house more often than not to help her with her little kids. And this is the first spot where a red flag came up for me because Janelle mentions that he doesn't come over to her house on her days until around 6 p.m. And we heard that from Christine last season. Oddly similar visitation experience description from Christine. He's usually in at 6 p.m., maybe there for a meal, 
watch a movie, close up, and then he's out at first light the next morning. Maybe even earlier, under cover of darkness. He's got to get back. He has the time that he needs to be over at Robin's to babysit. Ari's almost ready to go to sleep by 6 a.m. <laughs> He's got to be there to tuck her in. But Robin's got to dispute this. This is why she has a nanny. It's all for Cody's benefit, not for hers. She does this because she can't ask him to help with her kids. He has so many other responsibilities. He's a busy, busy man. Robin's a saint. She's sacrificing most of her parental rights to make sure that Cody isn't burdened by taking care of his children. She gives and she gives and she gives. And we cut back to Cody in the closet and he is complaining again about how this time the problem is the kids think that he doesn't want to be around them. That's something that Christine has come, come to him with. And he's upset because it looks that way only because he's changed his life because of COVID while some of the other wives like Christine haven't. And so Cody's main mission here, he's trying to disprove all this as well, too. It's not personal. It's the COVID. It's the protocols and lack of following them. That's this big gap that we have in our relationships and everything like that. But here's my theory. Cody has used the Robin excuse so much that I think the other wives just assume that he's there or he's telling them that he's there. When in actuality, maybe he isn't there because Robin already admitted that she has the nanny to cover for watching the kids so that Cody can go out and do business. I suspect that Cody is just aimlessly wandering around <laughs> in his convertible. He's going to malls. He's going to restaurants. He's just wandering around. You think he's disobeying his own COVID protocols? I think he's just standing around in public places, just like a sim aimlessly wandering with his visor on waiting for the paparazzi to take photos of him and just out and about because he has his story covered with the other wives they automatically assume he's at robin's he's helping with the kids but robin has child care i think he is at robin's house he's just doing other things while he's there so she doesn't count that as him being present because if he's not there to interact with her or her kids that doesn't count as her own time so she needs more time on top of that See, that's not fair but that, that's what i think he's doing that doesn't make he's sense he's in the backyard filming cameos yeah, well yeah which his cameo account can prove <laughs> this is interesting because this is the part where he says he hasn't done business things this year he hasn't traveled he hasn't seen friends he's been at home the whole time so three of these stories add up we have christine and janelle and cody all saying he has stayed put in one place which is robin's house and we have robin saying he's a very busy man he is on the move he is out doing things he's not at my house so that's a lie. Robin's a liar is what we're trying to get at. It's liabilities. Lie. We have a case of liabilities here. So many lies and caught her right in the middle of that one. Because, yeah, I mean, if you have three other accounts that are lining up, they didn't get their story straight before going into the solo interviews here with the producer. So we've taken the time to set that up. Now they're going to dig into the favorite wife storyline, which we've been waiting, what, a decade for now. This is where Christine points out, you can clearly see a difference when Cody is at Robin's house. So if she's there for family gatherings or other events, seeing him interact with Robin and Robin's children is damaging at this point because it is not the experience that she gets when he comes to her house. Then we get more details on this kayaking adventure that we heard about last episode. Remember, Christine had said that he's only really spent three days with them where he went out and did an activity where they spent time as a family together. 
Well, one of those days, he brought Robin's kids with him because he was, quote, babysitting. So probably that time that she mentioned where he didn't even get in the water when they went kayaking because you know damn well that he wasn't going to be allowed to bring Saul and Ari on a kayak out on the water. No, with a half dozen other people watching as well. No. (laughs) Still not safe enough. But anyway, babysitting, let's get back to that. Oh, well, I mean, I've already pointed that out before too. So it's... It's just an ongoing um, way that Cody describes how he parents his children. (sighs) This isn't parenting. And that's the thing is for a dad to watch children, that's not babysitting, that's parenting. So that's what it should be. Uh, But Cody then goes into a whole different direction where he's the earner. He earns money. So it's easier for him to pay $20 an hour for somebody else to watch the kids than it is for him to lose $200 an hour with his businesses. I'm confused about this entire thing. Why did Cody have Ari? I'm assuming it's Ari and Saul. Let's just go with the tender aged children. Isn't that the point of the nanny to relieve Cody of this burden? Not this day, apparently. Right. Was yeah. that a power move? It could have been a power move because then it's Robin just making her presence known that even when Cody goes, it's because I allow him to and I'm always with him. I'm encroaching on your time. Yeah. Even <laughs> though you don't have time. And you have how many other adult children who live in your house who can watch your kid when Cody expected 10-year-old Aspen to watch all of the children in her home while she went to work. But Cody needs to take Solinari on this kayaking trip and sit on the the beach, whatever. I don't know. What do they have when it, there's a... What do you have in uh, Arizona? Yeah, you, I guess uh, you could do... A bank? An embankment? Sure, a bank. <laughs> bank of the water there. <laughs> He's sitting there watching everyone else. And we've we've built this scenario out in our heads because we're assuming it's Saul and Ari. How funny would it be if it was... All the kids? All the, <laughs> if it was all five of them. And Cody has to watch all five of them. So that's, I think that's more of the comical scenario in my head. I'm going to go with that instead. <laughs> now let's get back to the $200 an hour because there's a lot of questions oh, around that already. I would love to see the accounting behind this. It's because Cody started doing cameo around this time. an hour, that is because Cody is currently filming cameos for $99 a pop. But look, we've seen your cameo, Cody, and there's no way you spend 30 minutes each making a cameo. Oh, I believe that. No way. By the time he logs in, he remembers his password to get into cameo, and then he pulls up a request. He reads through it. He thinks for himself if if he actually wants to follow through with it or not, is it worth The $99. Do I need it that bad? Then he thinks up some bullshit that he's going to say for 30 seconds. He probably takes like six or seven different takes because he's so manic that he can't get a clear thought out. And then he has to figure out how to get it off of his phone, upload it into Cameo. It's a whole thing. To an hour. No, I'm pretty sure that those are one take (laughs) every time. And they're all filmed in or around Robin's home for the most part. Pretty much a good hefty majority of them. If you scroll through, it's always the trees behind Robin's house or it's in the garage or it's maybe, well, have we seen any in the closet? Maybe he only does that for the show. He saves that soundstage for the show. And we know that our money's no good to him because he's turned us down. Yeah, he didn't want our money. He wasn't willing to knight us in a cameo. To be fair, he said he was up for anything. And then he wasn't. And then he said no. So just throwing that out there again because... I'm a petty bitch. <laughs> the other problem here, he doesn't have any interest in kayaking or hiking. 
Or getting to know his daughters. You know, if they would want to do something he would want to do, maybe he'd actually want to spend time with them. That is parenting, sir. You do things you don't want to do because your kids want to do it, and it brings them joy, which in turn brings you joy. Or it should, I guess. We're in Cody's mind. He's like, you want to go shoot a kayak? (laughs) We could do that. Do you want to go shave some logs down on Coyote Pass? I got a lot of logs to peel, but I got a whole bunch of tannerite in the back of the truck, too. So do we want to do that? The kids have seen these things over the years. So now even the older girls are pointing out this type of preferential treatment to Christine. They're telling her they feel bad for her because she has to go through this and experience it. And that's what her marriage is like. So Robin is here to invalidate that and dispute it. Has to counter it. There is no preferential treatment. You are mistaken. And plural marriage is hard for Robin, too. Robin's a victim in all this, in case you didn't know. I don't recall her presenting any evidence to that, to those claims of either saying that there is no preferential treatment or to the fact that plural marriage is difficult for her, too. I think at one point she basically pointed out that all the problems that she has with plural marriage are because Cody's so upset with everybody else in the family, and then that makes him less enjoyable to be around. I think we get into that a little bit more later. She's going to tell us exactly how this has affected her life personally. I think that's her biggest issue with plural marriage that she has to deal with and and her cross that she has to bear. We find out there's some good news on the home front over at Janelle's. Everyone's on the mend. Oh, we just hard shift into some COVID updates. (laughs) Now, Cody is looking forward to being able to go over there again and maybe what? 10, 14, 20 days, 30, 90, whatever that is. He keeps extending the amount of time until he's going to go over there. Yeah, that's the plan is to just keep bumping that timeline out until then that window passes. And then it's like, oh, sorry, I'll be at Robbins. And Janelle told him, now that I've had COVID and everyone else in this house is at COVID, we're immune for 90 days. So we're going to make some travel plans. Want to come with? And Cody's like, oh, hell yeah. Sign me up for that. So they plan a whole vacation And then right when they're about to book it and he realizes for a minute, oh, wait a minute, I haven't had COVID. (laughs) I could still get COVID on this trip. This is what I don't get. How does he go from being so focused on the rules to completely forgetting that he needs to abide by them at some points? Well, it's because Robin's still trying to work out all the science behind all of this. Is that why Robin needs the nanny? She's doing COVID research? That must be it. She's got some beakers. She's doing some testing. She's swiping things, you know, wiping things down before and afters. Swabbing things? Yes, there's lots of swabs involved. Now Robin admits that Cody has been at her house a lot. So up front in the episode, she says that's not true. He's out and about. Now she's willing to say he's been here too much, to be honest. He's been helping me with my research. (laughs) And the problem, the reason why he's here, because of course it's someone else's fault, The other wives don't follow the COVID rules. So by default, he's at my house. And there is a little bit of relief for Robin where Janelle's house is over COVID now. They're getting over it. But now there's this lurking thought in the back of her head as well, too. But does that mean that Cody could still catch it there, even though they can't get it? Can he still get it if he goes over there? Because Robin's just building the case. She's laying the foundation, putting in the groundwork here. For the fact that she'll still be nervous for him to go over there, even though they will have immunity for 90 days afterwards, she still doesn't want him leaving the house. We hear a little bit more about how things affect Robin. Cody's in a bad mood. He's angry all the time. 
All of this stuff is really weighing on him. He's not even fun to be around. He's just an angry man. And he's projecting that anger onto her. She's trying to tell him, look, I'm not the one you're mad at. Don't take it out on me just because you're here in my house. And she's such a saint that despite having to endure this, she's pleaded with everyone involved to just work things out. But no one is willing to do that. Well, I love here, too, that although she claims to be an empath, she doesn't really feel what other people feel, I don't think. I think she collects other people's feelings and then makes them her own. So she has to voice how she misses her husband, too, because that's just another emotion that everybody else in the family has had and has complained about and been sad about and upset by. So she has to have that emotion as well, too. So even though she's had him in her house for the last year, basically full-time uninterrupted, she has to say that she misses the man that he used to be because now he's all distraught about all this COVID drama with the rest of the family. Again, that time didn't count. Cody wasn't himself. I don't know how much other time you can get. There's no more time in the day. It would just be so much easier if they were just a monogamous couple. But even then... Throwing that out there. Is that going to be... What would that look like then? According to her, he wouldn't have the stress and drama of having to deal with everyone else around him. It would just be her amazing family that communicates so well with each other that doesn't have any issues. No, that's not what it would end up being, though. So that's what I'm saying is the reality of it wouldn't be that. So I think that would be interesting to see because everybody says that is like, hey, let's just have Cody and Robin go off on their own, do their own thing. I don't think they would last. I don't think Robin would stick around for that. It'd be miserable. No, because Cody has to have someone who he's upset at at all times. There has to be a bottom bitch. Yeah, so if you eliminate everyone else... You become... He's going to turn on someone in your house. Yeah. That's what's going to happen. Not going to be all rainbows and unicorns over there in the Shira Chateau. Not too good. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Cody is pulling out at the driveway of the Shira Chateau because he's heading over to Christine's house to talk again. They've waited a full four weeks since their last talk where she unveiled that she was leaving him. And he's a little worried going into this conversation. They're both on the verge of losing their shit. Allegedly. That's his analysis. I don't think that's an accurate (laughs) statement. I think he's on the verge of losing his shit. Yes. Yes. Did you pick up from the conversation at all last episode that Christine was angry and going to lose her shit? No, absolutely not. 
But I think what he thinks is that the actions that she is suggesting, as far as moving, moving away so far, doing all of these drastic changes, that is her losing her shit. That's a good point. Or I think that he's afraid she might turn into a crazy bitch who keeps his kids from him. Just takes one wrong move to set her off, even though it's been 10 to 12 years of wrong moves. Well, that's they start to add up there, yeah, those little moments. So Cody's realizing maybe he should have been fighting more for this because Robin told him to realize that last episode. So he's pondered that, and now he's maybe having some regret because they came to an agreement last week that divorce seems like the way to go. Seems like a split is the only natural way to continue our relationship together because we can't stay married. This isn't working. This isn't really a marriage. So let's just end it. Let's call it there. But now Cody's having FOMO. He's, he's missing out, maybe potentially, on some good drama with Christine moving forward. And he doesn't, he, he's just clinging on to it. He can't let it go. That's a hard no for me, dog, from Christine. I'm, I'm good with what we decided last time. But there's this stage in the breakup, right? Where you have a conversation where the relationship's real shit. And one person in the relationship is like, hey, I think we're done. The other person's caught off guard by that, surprised by that. But then they eventually agree. Then you get that phone call, that text a week later, two weeks later, and it's like, hey, do you think we made a mistake? And it's like, no, I don't think so. I think we're good. (laughs) That is what happened here. That's basically, Cody was, maybe we shouldn't pursue this. I know we came to an agreement, but do you think that we're making a mistake here? No, I don't think we're making a mistake. What did you think of his his, uh, posture during this whole conversation? Very chill. He's draped over this chair. I felt like... This was a very important conversation. It's the first follow-up talk you're having to your wife telling you she's leaving you. And he sat on that chair in a way to me that said, this is not important to me. You're not important. This conversation isn't a very big deal. He came over wearing his finest hoodie, which I'm sure he had to grab back from Isabel after her surgery. He unzipped it off of her as she was getting out of the car the first day that Christine got her back. And like moving the crutches away from it and stuff. And the he braces. hasn't called her for months. And he's like, hey, Izzy, you have that sweatshirt, that hoodie? I've been looking for that hoodie. You got that shitty hoodie? I need that hoodie. But yeah, he just goes full Jeffrey Lebowski and just lounges through this conversation here where he knew that the marriage wasn't in a good spot. He knew that. He's not an idiot, right? Well, he's not that much of an idiot. <laughs> he was expecting a breaking point to lead to counseling, but instead she just left and that caught him off guard. But dude, you've been in counseling for 10 plus years and nothing has changed. You literally spent your 25th anniversary with Christine going to Texas with two therapists. This isn't new. And if you felt that way, why didn't you say, I would like to go to marriage counseling? Because that is their relationship. The relationship is he neglects everything for so long. He lets it build up until she says, I can't take it anymore. We need to go to therapy. He gets better and fixes things technically, on his end. I don't think he fixes it, though. He makes an attempt. He makes excuses, new excuses. It placates her for a while until it starts again. Calms her down, reassures her that things will be different. You're overreacting. If you behave better, I'll behave better. She puts up with it again for another couple years, and that's the cycle. And she broke that cycle. In fact, she tells him she's disappointed that she didn't do it earlier. She really wishes she had left him back in Vegas before they even moved to Flagstaff. She wishes she never came here. Because that was the bomb. Because when he had asked her if there was relief when she decided to leave, and she was like, "Uh, yeah, there was relief. And I wish I'd done it sooner. 
So we have to endure a flashback of, over the years, pictures of the family together. Christine realizing that she was really unhappy for pretty much the entire marriage. Janelle saw them struggling the whole time. She knew this is an inevitability. They're going to get divorced. It was going to happen sooner or later. I think the sad part for me was Christine realizing that she had been sad the whole time, but then didn't even realize how sad she had been at a few different points in that. And just the normalcy of that. She thought that that's what plural marriage was. That is how you feel in marriage. That's what they get told, though. You have to endure this unhappiness in order to be happy in the afterlife. You have to get past these feelings. That's what's going to make you a better person. So you endure all of this treatment. So I think for her, seeing her adult children getting married and having successful relationships, Aspen, McKelty, and even Maddie, too, and realizing, hmm, I think my marriage is kind of fucked up. It's not even like realize it's like validating it because she's constantly invalidated in this marriage. So that's where Christine's at. That's where Janelle's head's at. Robin is here to, of course, give us her seasoned input on what it is to be a sister wife. Not not pepper on it, though. Just mostly salt. <laughs> in plural marriage, you can't be lazy and you have to want everyone in it to be happy. You have to wake up every day and pick plural marriage. But I don't know how she's doing that when she wakes up every day and picks monogamy. It's easier to pick that when you're telling yourself that you're picking plural marriage, but it's actually monogamy. We cut back to the conversation with Cody and Christine, and he kind of apologizes to her for having been angry at first. He does. There's a direct apology there. He apologizes that he got angry when she said she wanted to be free. Because I think the phrasing, maybe we could have done that a little differently to, to soften that blow a little bit. But then the editors hit us with a scene of him on the couch where he says this is a major injustice that's being done to him, and he's angry again. I think that might have been them asking him about when he got upset, and that was the initial response for That's it. That's why I was so upset. That's why I was upset. So I think it just wasn't explained very well. That's probably what that was. Is he still upset? I'm sure he's still upset about it. Guarantee it. And he's going through a whole swath of emotions in this episode, but he's a manly man, and he can't show those emotions. The only one he can show is anger. It's the only one he's allowed to. He does say something else nice to her, and she says this is the nicest thing he's said to her in years, which is pretty sad. He's hoping that he can get to a place where he could be happy for her. And Christine is thankful that Cody is trying to support her in this moment. That's what she's thankful for. There is an attempt that is happening by respecting her decision, respecting where she's at, and then getting to that place eventually, hopefully, maybe, where he can be happy for her in that decision as well, too. She's definitely in therapy. I think how this has all played out has been something that she has practiced with her therapist. And the little scraps he gives her of any emotion other than anger, she's willing to react very positively to. She's really trying to make this like the best experience it could be in terms of telling someone that you're going to leave them. And Cody didn't think that she was going to leave, even though over the years he said things like, if you're unhappy... You can leave. No one's a prisoner here. He didn't think anybody would actually take him up on that. He didn't know that that was an open invite for people to just leave. I thought that was a little ridiculous where he basically blames her for taking that as her first option. That was not her first option. She ran the whole gamut of tons of other choices prior to leaving, but she was left with no other choice. They kind of imply then through some footage that we see that Christine gained the confidence to actually leave 
through the experience of going to Isabel's surgery alone, which it was like a little bit of a feel-good moment to see Christine come to that realization. But then you think about how shitty it was that it had to be through that experience. Yeah, it was a hard enough time. There was a lot going on in their life, obviously. A lot of things she was worried about and concerned about and focusing on as well, too. And now her main concern is turning to Truly. Truly doesn't really know what's going on yet. She doesn't know that Christine is going to be leaving Cody. And she already has this preconceived notion that divorce is the worst thing ever because she has friends who have divorced parents. Somebody needs to watch Mrs. Doubtfire, maybe. I think it might be time, Christine. Just throwing that out there as well, too. Not to not a parent, but maybe it might be time. And even though that's probably going to be a really difficult experience for Truly, Christine is not going to sit around anymore and wait for Cody. She's waited for him to want to be an involved husband. She's waited for him to be an engaged father and to show interest in their children. And it's not happening. So how much longer is she going to let that go on? And if she waits any longer, Truly's going to get wise to this too. Because she's already realized that Gwen and Isabel know what's going on. They see the favoritism. They talk to her about it. Truly doesn't fully grasp that yet. So Christine almost wants to remove her from that situation before she can feel that sort of neglect firsthand. Didn't Cody throw something in about how he needs grief counseling over all this? Didn't he say that last season? About grief counseling because of COVID. But I think the biggest grief moment was when Robin told Janelle, who Janelle's mom had just passed, that Robin was saying that she felt like she was in a grieving process over COVID and where they're at with the family. Yeah, that was nice. That was that was something an empath says. Little tone deaf. So we've spent the last 20 years, 25, 30 years. Cody's been building this family up and now we're downsizing. Christine is still trying to throw out olive branches. We're just going to be good friends, Cody. That's what we are. He's not into that idea we find out on the couch. Why would he want to agree to be friends? He has wives who have ex-husbands. Janelle and Robin were both married and divorced before they met him. He's worried that Christine will go around the country telling people that he's a bad person. But maybe... Try not to be a bad person if you don't want people to say that you're a bad person. Maybe do that instead. Also, sir, the entire internet is already doing that. So one more won't do much damage. We don't need Christine to come up with that theory. We've reached that conclusion on our own. I'm sorry to let you know you have soiled your own reputation by being on TV for the past 12 years. I love the other flip-flop side of this as well, too, where... Cody is then battling still with himself because they're talking about how complicated this is going to be of this split, the divorce, because of just the sheer number of people, family members involved. But then Cody's trying to say, well, it's not going to be complicated if you've already made a decision. It's already happened. So it's not complicated. It's pretty simple because you're leaving. But he just said five minutes ago that he can't let go, that he's holding on and he doesn't know why. You are making it complicated with that. Let it go. Christine calls that bluff. Okay, let's iron out some details here. You okay with me moving to Utah? He says, well, where in Utah? Depends. Yeah, depends on where. So she tells him Salt Lake City, and suddenly he can't bear the thought to be that far away from Truly. Whoa, whoa, whoa. That's eight hours away. That's way too far. He doesn't understand how that could be realistic. How could he possibly drive 
that far to visit truly once every couple of weeks? What if there's a medical emergency? What if somebody needs a surgery that he needs to rush to their bedside for? Well, I just love when he asks, does it need to be that far? And Christine's like, yeah, it does. It does need to be that far. I need a minimum of eight hours between us. At least I need to know. So instead he tries to pitch St. George. That's only a cool five hours away. So that that last three, that really makes up the difference there. But we know the real reason why St. George came up. Yes, we have a theory here. For anyone who remembers going all the way back a couple of seasons here after they moved to Flagstaff, Cody unveiled the truth that St. George was originally intended to be their paradise on earth. That was where he wanted them to move when they left Vegas. But some of the wives said they weren't into the idea of Utah, a.k.a. Dayton got accepted to school in Flagstaff. So he had to erase that entire PowerPoint and start back at slide one. Right. That was first draft. It was all St. George. But then he had to correct it, update it, and point it to Flagstaff instead because polygamy was not decriminalized yet. Utah was off the table. So he had to come up with an alternative. And that's where they ended up in Flagstaff. So this is my theory or our theory. We've talked about it. We agree on it. We'll say it's ours now. Okay. This is the long con for Cody. I think they're never going to build on Coyote Pass. They are doing utility things to the land. Like the cistern. They're adding cistern. They'll probably provide power, running all those different utility type connections for those lots of land. Right. That's our speculation to get them up to the point that they could more easily be built on. There's some value that they're investing into these properties for the next buyers to purchase. They're developing the land. That's all they're going to do. They're not going to build. They're just developing. Then they'll sell it. Cody thinks he's going to make a pretty penny on that. Won't take much to get Robin to move to St. George because her family lives there. Easy peasy. Yeah, that's already part of the the deal. Mary doesn't really count, but it's in Utah, which is close to her end. So if you want to come, I guess get in the car, pack up. Let's go. Tag along. Sure. Yeah, throw your stuff in the truck. And Janelle will be an empty nester by then. So she's going to travel the country in that RV that she wants. Some people seem to be under the impression that Janelle has left Cody as well, too, based on social media posts, based on her traveling around and just not generally being in Flagstaff very often. But I think that's always been her plan. Her plan has always been to buy an RV and travel around and visit all their kids. That was her goal as an empty nester. She doesn't want to stay and sit at home wherever they're building this land. Not happening in Flagstaff. Except for apparently when she thought she was going to have an entire grow house operation going on on Coyote Pass. Yeah, I don't know who would tend to the plants in that RV scenario. I guess uh, after you get the harvest completed, that's when you can travel. So she'll travel during the winter. She'll be a snowbird. (laughs) Anyway, what does Christine think of this idea of moving to St. George? Gross. Ew. (laughs) Gross. It's just one word summed up. Moving to St. George. I will never move to St. George ever. Gross. Cody's a little concerned by that reaction because this seems like things won't go well for him. He doesn't want her taking truly that far away from him. He knows that men don't generally do well in divorces. At least that's what he learned from Ronald McDonald Esquire when they went through the adoption of Robin's kids. Right. Cody is just disgusted at the idea of this move. Truly is his child. I have a child. (laughs) When it's convenient, he has a child. 
It's really so sad to hear Christine talk about it. She has to get truly out of this situation. It's not good. It's damaging for her to stay here and witness this and to realize that she's being treated the way that Gwen and Isabel have already realized, and I guess all the other older kids, to be honest, have realized has gone on for years. So she wants to bring her someplace where she has a bigger support system. Cody argues that there is a big support system here in Flagstaff, which lie detector determined that was a lie because Christine hasn't seen it. Where is it? It's not here. This is going to be a big problem for Cody because he's going to have to go back to Robin and tell Robin that she's going to have to explain to Solinari that their little playmate, Truly, who they see on occasion, you know, some of them have already forgotten her name at this point, but Solinari sometimes liked to play with her and she's going to be living too far away to do that. And that's not the picture Robin saw for the future. And I think that sums it up nicely because that really puts it into perspective where even during this conversation with Cody and Christine talking about their marriage, talking about concerns about their daughter, their younger daughter, truly, in this divorce scenario, he's still prioritizing Robin and her children in how this is navigated in this experience. So to say that there is no preferential treatment is inherently false. And out of nowhere, Cody tells Christine that he hasn't been in love with her for a long time. Like, thank you, sir. In these conversations, you have told me that you were never attracted to me, that you felt forced to marry me. And now you're going to tell me that you haven't been in love with me for a long time. But sure, let me stay here and let me go out of my way to move to a place that I don't want to move to so that it's more convenient for you. And I think that was he was trying to get her worked up. He was trying to get her fired up to have her get upset. But she turns it around and basically reminds Cody, I know that you haven't been in love with me for a while. I understand that. But you were and will always be my first love. So you always have that part of my heart. She's trying to reassure him that she's not going to do evil things to him. She has to convince him that yeah, she's not just going to turn around as soon as she walks away and hate him. But I don't think that she would. She's not in that place to do that. She's being very honest about, hey, I'm not happy. And I think the best thing for me, you, and the entire family is if we part ways. She's over it. She spent all this, all these years being upset with him. She's done with that. She wants to be done with him. Let's eliminate this drama from my life. Let it go, man. Let it go. But there's still going to be one other piece of drama before we cross that bridge here because Christine is dreading telling Mary, Janelle, and Robin. She doesn't know how this conversation is going to go with her sister wives. Cody doesn't even want to tell the other wives because it's going to make him look unmanly that he has a wife leaving. (laughs) So he's just floating the idea. Maybe you could just tell them yourself. You could tell them without me, maybe. He's such an asshole. He doesn't want to be there because he is afraid that he's going to have to take some form of accountability for this happening. So he wants her to just go tell them by herself, you know, burn those bridges. It's okay. She's like, no, I I really think you need to be there the first time that we tell everybody. Because I think she's worried about explaining that she will no longer be a sister wife. So we could still be friends. And she's understanding that she'll probably maintain the relationship, (laughs) relationship, singular, (laughs) that she has right now with Janelle. Because she doesn't really have an existing relationship between Mary and Robin. So that'll probably continue the same as it has been. It'd really be convenient for Cody, though, if Christine would just admit that she's leaving because of her and not because of him. I love how he thinks that Christine is using his behavior as an excuse for her decision, and he doesn't like that. But that's literally what he's been doing to her 
in the intimacy COVID situations where he's been blaming his actions and decisions based on what Christine has or has not been doing. He does that to Mary too. And Janelle. He's done it to everybody. So he doesn't like when it's done to him, but it's okay for him to do it and for several years. So now that Christine is doing it one time in this instance, it's upsetting enough where he doesn't want to support that. What do you think about him coming to that conversation? Do you think he should or shouldn't? I think he should be there. I think if he was a normal human being, he should be there to take some accountability and explain the fact that they've made a mutual decision. I don't even care about that. I want him to be there just so... So I he think could be embarrassed? Would, so he can be embarrassed, yeah. <laughs> We're going to put him on the pedestal. I actually think this might start a fight if he's there because if anyone asks any follow-up questions, which they probably won't, I don't know, maybe that's the argument that we see where he's screaming about the knife and the kidney. I really think it's going to start a problem because if anyone asks any questions about why, he is not in agreement with her as to why this is happening and he wants to deflect everything onto her. That's fine. Yeah. Okay. I hope that's that's what this is, what that fight is. I think the conversation, I think the initial conversation is the one that we saw where Christine, it's in Christine's backyard, but it's not on her back porch. It's not the kidney fight. It was the self-shot footage of everybody's cell phones pointing at themselves in Christine's backyard when she says, I've decided to leave. I'm leaving Cody. And she smiles while she's saying it because she can't hold back her joy in making that announcement. I don't remember that. That's from the trailer. So I think that was the I think that was the initial conversation. One because it was self-shot and two because of the way that Christine delivers that message. <laughs> All right, so we have that to look forward to. Christine wants to skip to that part. She wants to get this scheduled on the books. Let's tell all the wives. She wants to be honest and she wants to get this clock going because she's got plans, she's got things to do. She's got houses to sell. She's got kids to get settled other places. The longer they wait to tell the other wives, that just pushes her timeline out further. Right. So part of that timeline, the reasoning that we have is Isabel is moving to North Carolina. She was recently accepted to college there. A few seasons ago, they went to visit Maddie. And remember, Isabel had said she loved it there. She wanted to go to school there. And Cody was kind of not really supportive of the fact that she wanted to go to school so far away. Well, it's a reality now. And Christine is happy about it because she's going to go live her own life. This is such a positive thing. She's going to school. She's got something that she has that she's doing for herself. And she's going to separate herself from Christine and the drama that is going on right now in the family. Right. Christine feels like they have spent a ton of time together. And that's great. But also kind of wallowing in some of this drama and the marital discourse that's going on might be holding Isabel back. So kind of opening her up freeing her in that opportunity as well to to give some time apart. She can grow into her own independent person as part of that. Give her some space, and it's going to be really beneficial in the long run. So we're going to give Maddie a call here because we have to get Maddie on board and make sure that she's cool with this moving discussion before we loop in Cody. we got to make sure everybody's all on the same page before we present it to Cody. Right, because this is part of the plan, that Isabel's going to go to school in North Carolina but she's going to move in with Maddie and Caleb while she's doing that. So they just double check. Of course, it's fine. Maddie's excited. It's kind of cute. They're both going to go to the same community college together I that for two was years. Adorable. Yeah, we're, they were so excited about it, too. Um, and then how Caleb has been talking about, oh, when Isabel gets here and Maddie has to keep reminding him. Well, I mean, it's not like official yet. We're 
Don't get your heart set on it right now. We're going to try and see if that's something that's happening, but we'll stay tuned. If you remember, Maddie and Caleb had moved into the cul-de-sac at one point when they needed somewhere to live, and that's when they both formed this really close relationship with Isabel. So they're really looking forward to her coming out there. And we get a little news about Christine starting to tell the family about her leaving because then she's talking to Maddie about Isabel moving there. She lets her know what's going on as far as her leaving Cody. I guess with the college storyline, you probably didn't need to go into those details, maybe. So I don't know if it was absolutely necessary, but I'm sure Maddie was asking Christine about it because Christine had mentioned that Janelle's probably the sister wife who knows the most about what's going on. But Janelle didn't even know that Christine was planning on moving back to Utah. So that's still going to be a surprise for everybody involved. So I feel like it maybe it came up in conversation just from Maddie asking her. And so Christine was just being honest as part of those conversations. But I don't think it necessarily would have needed to come up as part of this conversation since the college thing is its own thing. Yeah, unless maybe there was some worry on Christine's part that there would be hard feelings there against her. That might have been it. So Maddie pretty much says, no, of course, you're still going to be a grandma to our kids. And she's not at all upset with Christine over this because who would be aside from Cody? So everybody's on board for the move. So we just have to break the news to Cody. Another decision that's being made without his consent. So we'll see how he takes that. Cody's a little busy right now, though, because Garrison has finally moved out of Janelle's house. He had asked six long months ago for him to go ahead and do that in the middle of a worldwide pandemic. He finally got around to it. He bought a trailer to live in until he can get enough money to buy his own house. Because as we know, the real estate market, especially in this time, is absolutely ridiculous. But Cody rants about how it took too long for Garrison to work on the trailer. He needed to do a bunch of repairs I don't know if anybody's seen on Instagram things, if you follow him, he completely ripped out the inside of it and redid the entire thing. So I guess that took too long. So Cody's pissed because in the meantime, he got COVID and spread it to everybody in the house when he should have been living out on his own at that point, in Cody's opinion. Cody and Garrison have always butted heads over the COVID guidelines, the protocols, if you will. And so nothing new there. What spurred the onset, I think, for Cody as part of this rant that he goes on is that he just had an argument with Garrison on the phone where essentially the conversation was, I love you, dad, but this is goodbye forever. Can't deal with this shit anymore. I don't want anything to do with you anymore. Because what really upset Cody is Garrison called him a hypocrite for not coming around. And that set Cody off since Garrison is an adult who should have been living on his own anyway. What does this sound like to you? Because we know in this episode, Janelle's entire house had COVID and recovered. He was giving us a very unsure timeline of when he would actually go back to the house again. And we know that last season, Gabe threw out the idea that maybe none of this was about COVID and they would know for sure if they all got it, got better, and then Cody still didn't come to the house. Garrison called the bluff, right? Because he brought this into view of saying what most likely probably happened was they got better. They allowed a certain amount of time to pass where they were no longer sick. We find out later in the episode, Garrison is also vaccinated because he's military. So we have a lot of precautionary measures that are in place now due to COVID. Cody's still not coming around. 
So that would be the element of hypocrisy if Cody has been saying, the reason I'm not coming around is because you aren't following guidelines. Now they are the most protected bunch and he's still not coming over. That's hypocrisy. That's what I think is missing from that part of the the explanation that we got from Cody. But now we have to hear from Robin because she claims that she, you know, she's the peacemaker. So she tried to talk to Gabe and Garrison about figuring this out with Cody, but they just shut her down. Because why would you want to take advice from the person who's causing the issue? She would be the last person whose name I would want to pop up on the screen of my phone. It would just make my blood pressure skyrocket. I love how Cody's biggest qualm too was that Garrison took too long. He should be an adult out living on his own and then we wouldn't have had this happen. Garrison called Cody a hypocrite and that's what set Cody over the edge and they had this whole fight. Both of those two claims can be true separately and independently from each other. Cody can have that opinion where Garrison should have been out on his own. Cool. But that doesn't mean that it's any less true that you were being a hypocrite because you were. Well, the theme of this episode is that Cody is not willing to acknowledge that this isn't just about COVID. He brings everything back to what's been happening over the past year. Because at this point, we're still in probably February or March of 2021. That's what we're watching. Yeah, we're keeping it in the microchasm of COVID, but that's what the family is trying to illustrate to him. It's bigger than that. Right. These feelings have existed among multiple family members for years, and this has only amplified that. And then he goes into this whole thing where he's talking about how COVID is real despite how some of our family members are acting. Cody finally says something I can agree with. COVID is real, and anybody who says it isn't real is just being stupid. Okay, yes, I agree with that. But then cut immediately to none of these people that he's claiming all of these issues are with are denying that COVID is real. Christine knows it's real. Janelle very much knows it's real. She had it. She's not denying it's real. She had it. It happened. Maybe he's talking about the kids. I don't know. But anyway, then he tells us that Garrison had that narcissistic attitude when he called him and told him that he was done with him because of how he's treating Janelle's kids. Well, Janelle and the kids. It's the whole household. Funny coming from a narcissist to accuse someone else of being a narcissist. I think it's interesting, too, that the claim here ends up being that Cody's still afraid that all of these other people can still transmit COVID to him, even though... They've already had it or they're vaccinated against it. Because if Garrison has had it and he's vaccinated at this point, you can say it's a pretty low risk. Maybe if you still want to wear a mask around him too, just to be comfortable, go for it. But to say, I still need to keep my distance because I might catch it from you, you can literally say that to anybody about anything. Look, this is a thing Cody does. He punishes people when he doesn't agree with their behavior. He does it to his wives And then he lets it trickle down to his children. Now he has adult children who he's having issues with because he only likes his kids when they're small and they admire him with no question. When you're a child, you look up to your parent and you love them no matter what. These kids grew up. They have opinions of their own. They see what's going on. They don't like it. They're voicing it to him. And he no longer has that respect that he wants from them. Right, because Garrison's calling them out on a bunch of stuff. It's how you're treating Janelle, how you're treating the kids, adult children, other people outside of Robin's household. This is nothing new, and now there's no more excuses to hide behind. 
So Janelle laughs again about how he tried to kick Gabe and Garrison out of the house. Obviously, that wasn't going to happen because she's on the lease. He's not. So he doesn't even have the power to do that. She has to keep telling herself that her relationship with Cody is fine. It's everything that she needs it to be. It's the perfect amount of adequate for her just in that sweet spot. She says things that she needs and Cody mostly can handle that if she's direct enough and provides enough information. Adequate. That is a sad way to describe your marriage. But I think that is probably a marriage, like the defined level for Janelle where she's like, yeah, I'm okay with that. Janelle could have been a single lady her whole life, but she wanted kids. She didn't want to do the house mom thing. That's why polygamy works for her. She doesn't really need Cody, just like how Christine realized that. And she was like, I don't have to put up with this, especially if he's going to cut out all the other marital things. The only other benefits of being here, those are all gone. Everything's gone. So then why am I sticking around? Right. And Janelle likes Flagstaff. So it works out okay enough for her. She's doing okay. Yeah. She's fine with where it's at. She's not looking to rock the boat. Robin gives a heavy sigh. She's just trying to get some air past that goiter. It's wow, heavy. It's grown this season. And then she says that the boys have made lots of accusations about her over the years and they're false. She doesn't have that kind of power over Cody. Oh, I love that Janelle said it out loud too. So now we've had two wives say that their children are not upset about COVID restrictions. They are upset about the preferential treatment from Cody to Robin's family, Robin and her children. They're a little suspicious, a little, a little suspicious of Cody's treatment of Robin and her children. But she claims there is no treatment that she's receiving. She's not getting anything special. There's no favoritism here. They're all imagining that. All this power that they claim that she has, if she did have that power, they would have handled COVID very differently. They would have all sat down We would have had an agreement reached where everybody was on the same page with guidelines. Didn't we kind of do that? I mean, it was way delayed. I think they attempted to do that before Thanksgiving. It was the Google sheet of the nanny rules, allegedly. When they came in with a list of rules that they said the nanny did and were not willing to compromise on any one of the rules. And there was like four duplicates of different phrasings of things. Yeah. Because they just copy and pasted from Google. Multiple times. That's all the stuff that they do that they're so busy that they need to have a nanny provide child care for them so that they can slap these different word docs together. Also, if you feel that way, then why don't you push back on Cody's rules? Why don't you say, Cody, this is really bad for our family. There are things in here that we don't need to be doing anymore. That literally we're being told by medical professionals are unnecessary at this point. There are precautions we could be taking that the rest of the country is taking to be able to interact with people when they need to or if they want to. You don't want to. That's the problem. Cody doesn't want to go out of his way and Robin doesn't want to go out of her way. That's the truth of the matter here. This is where Cody decides it's a click. The older clubs are in a click. It's collusion. (laughs) It's gossiping. And it's time to pick a side. There's going to be a Brown family civil war a coming. He's digging a moat around the Shira Chateau. He's getting things ready. And Robin's kids are not part of that group. And she's in whichever one Cody thinks is the good one. <laughs> Christine does say she wishes the kids could see how heartbroken he is about this because she really feels bad for the guy, which was the most amazing phrasing of someone who has separated themselves so much <laughs> from this situation. Just pity. That's all that's left <laughs> now. I pity you, sir. Okay, now before Christine 
leaves, she's making sure all the girls are set up with their new lives as well. She has to get her house in order. Isabel is moving to North Carolina for school, as we know. Gwen is going to get an apartment in Flagstaff. She decided that she does want to stay there. And truly is going to be moving with Christine. Back to Utah in the Salt Lake area. Not St. George. Gross. So now they have to tell Cody about these college plans. So Isabel heads upstairs to, I guess what we can call now the divorce lair, since that's really all they use this room for. Is it a library? It's off from the primary bedroom. It is a library, actually. Because Christine was the only one who had the library in Vegas. So I guess this is kind of a library-esque space. A lot of books on the shelves back there. They share the good news about Isabel getting accepted into school in North Carolina and getting ready to move in with Maddie. And he's excited for her to some extent. He has to confirm that it's not going to be expensive. You have all of this paid for, correct? I don't have to, there's no funding. What's the, what's the scholarship situation looking like? Is there financial aid available? And then once he hears, no, it's not going to be expensive. We got all that taken care of. Okay, great. Now he can be excited. There's some relief. He senses Isabel's excitement, uh, but he is dreading her moving so far away. How uninvolved of a dad are you that you know that you have a kid who is about to graduate high school and you haven't had any conversations with them about going to college or helping to work through any of the FAFSA, is that how you say it? FAFSA. FAFSA paperwork. Nothing. Just you're finding out after the fact. Well, I think he's just waiting for a conversation to come up where she met a boy, she's going to get married and pop out some kids. That's more his speed. He's waiting for a courtship invitation. But no, that's not what we get. So Christine gets to offer up a couple of different options. Either you can fly out and help us unpack, or you can drive the truck, maybe fix a couple flats on the way. I don't know, maybe. But those are basically your options if you want to be involved. No pressure, just throwing that out there. And of course, Cody can't make any commitments because it's August. Hopefully, maybe eventually, COVID restrictions will be lifted by then, even though there's no more quarantines at this point. We're February, March of 2021. There's a vaccine on the way, which I don't know if Cody would be partaking, but August is looking a little bit more reasonable. Maybe you can say, oh, let's not commit to anything right now. We'll kind of see how it looks, but he can't even throw that much out there. Did I hear him correctly? Did he ask if gas stations are open? It's been a while since he's been out in the world. Oh no, according to Robin, he's aimlessly driving around Flagstaff all day. Apparently. But I'm happy for you. He's happy for Isabel. It's great. I hope you're happy with your decision. This is another decision that was made without me. I didn't get any input on this. That's basically what this room, the library, is a conversation for decisions that are being made without me that are just going to impact my life. (laughs) I felt really bad for Isabel because their interactions just seem really awkward. Like you can tell that She and Christine probably had a whole conversation about how unlikely it is that Cody is going to actually come help move her into school. And so she wasn't expecting much from him. And she really doesn't get a commitment at all. She knew. Yeah, she got what she expected. I think the real shock here, and we can tell that Cody is still taking COVID very seriously at this point because he's passing up on a visit to go see Caleb. So that's how you know. That's serious. It's some serious shit. He was really deliberating it. He was like, oh, man. Maybe by that point, hopefully, I don't know, but you're going to go see your favorite person on the planet. It's also maybe February, March, sometime in that time frame. And we're talking about August, which we know nothing about at this point. 
again, it's easy to say, I can't commit to anything right now. Maybe let's reevaluate in a couple months and see. No, we don't even get that. Right. I just feel like he has a lot to make up to her that maybe he could have given a little bit more solid of some type of commitment, even if it was like, I'm going to help you pack up for school. We'll spend time together before you go. Nothing. None of that. It's too much of a commitment. But this is also the point where Christine divulges a little bit of information about how many of her kids are aware of the divorce as well, too. We know she was already talking with Maddie about it as part of Isabel's potential moving. So when Christine told Gwen about the divorce, she offered up, do you want to move back to Utah with me and Truly? No, not really. Going to stick it out here in Flagstaff. So that's why Gwen's sticking with the apartment setup in Flagstaff, staying local here. I wonder how many times she's hung out with Cody since that move. Probably zero. Probably not too many. So if you're <laughs> going to leave that as the barometer of how many times Cody would have interacted with you had you stayed, I think we can use that as a reference point here. So even though Christine doesn't know what the next year is going to look like for her and truly, there's a lot changing in their lives. She's got Isabel in a situation where she has some security. She's going to be witnessing a happily married couple living together, which she's looking forward to. That'll be new. And Gwen is going to be here and she's happy for Christine that she's moving on and that she's going back to Utah. And that's all she can do because it's not Christine's responsibility to make sure that Cody has good relationships with his kids. He's tried to make it her responsibility. And in some ways, he's punished the kids for the lack of their relationship. But Christine doesn't have any direct control over her daughters and Cody having a direct relationship even though Cody's going to try and spin that as well, too, because now Cody's looking back on this. The divorce leaves us with this crap relationship, him and Isabel. It was also great before then, right? Yeah, this is not new. Again, most of these issues are longstanding pre-COVID issues. Is it season eight where she begs him to spend more time with her and the other younger girls. Her only It was her birthday wish to go on a trip. And so she wanted to spend time with her dad. That was what she wanted for her birthday. That's how long we're talking. Then, of course, we have the surgery situation from last season, which he still has not done a good job of trying to repair their relationship from that. But it's all Christine's fault. He had this opportunity to forge these relationships. He had an opportunity to nurture those and have this development, have this connection. That opportunity is gone. You now have adult children who resent you. He doesn't get that, though. He doesn't understand that the things he's he's doing have affected them in that way because he thinks he spent all of these years doing the right things for his kids. And now because of COVID, they're forgetting all that and they're vilifying him. Right. He spent his whole life trying to be the hero. And now he's the villain. Next episode, as schools begin to open up, Janelle challenges Cody about getting things back to normal. Then Christine travels to St. George, Utah to be with McKelty as she gives birth. And Mary suffers a devastating loss. There's going to be a weird Cody and Christine anniversary sort of storyline as well, too, from the preview for next week. Robin's pushing relationships with the kids, but mostly just hers, her kids, primarily, and... This just goes again where Cody has preference on the smaller children. But then, man, yeah, McKelty giving birth. Oh, boy. That's going to be a whole thing. We didn't see any of Mary's storyline in the preview, but it is in the episode description. So we think we know what big life-changing event that is. Got to say it's an improvement that we're going to get to, what, early April in the first three episodes here. That's pretty good. It's like an episode per month. 
and there's so much drama to come. I, I kind of can't wait to get through this next hump of like storylines in this episode that we, we know they would have dragged out a lot more had there not been a lot of stuff that happens with Christine after this. Yes, that is the relief. I think the relief point here, but just remember, don't get it confused. Kelsey's not giving birth to the twins that she's pregnant with right now. That's how far behind we are. We don't even know about the twins yet. Thank you for listening. If you want to support us, the best way to do that is by subscribing to the podcast and leaving a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Be sure to tweet with us about the episode at surviving underscore pod. Stay tuned. Share with friends. See you next time. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 